I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Welcome, welcome, everyone, to the Playing Footsie podcast. This week, you've got me, you've got Steve D, you've got Steve W. Uh, no special guests this week. We've done our special guests to death recently, but we've had some brilliant ones on. Uh, so you just get us talking about a couple of uh, stocks and news of the week. Um, this week, uh, I'll tell you what, we'll go straight into it. Steve D, how was your week been this week? Uh, we're recording this very early in, in the week, so a lot of the news I think is going to change until uh, it comes out on st- Sunday, but how's it going on your first Monday back? My first Monday back has been an eventful one. Um, I have sold a stock, um, which I don't do very often, especially on this side of the portfolio. Uh, this is the risk-off side of the portfolio, so uh, I've sold out of Next Era Energy. Um, mm-hmm. Generally, worsening valuation, which I find is quite bonkers for a utility, not believing analysts forwards, uh, earnings and revs on a two-year de- uh, decline, and uh, a new CEO, so I combine that with the usual risks that of, of them having a lot of debt and loving to take on more debt, and it, and it just tips it over the risk scale for me which is too risky for the less risky side of my portfolio so i have spread that cash out over um sony spotify google goldman sachs keyword studios salesforce chewy and roku uh in light of um next week obviously being able to put new capital in my ISA as well so wow that's, that's what i've done mix. That's a big mix. Uh, that's a lot to unpack there. So next era, um, very much in the solar. Um, is, is it going for more solar than it is wind on this one side, or is it? I don't know tons about next era. So it's a mix if you of believe, those two. yeah, if you believe that as well, they're also quite big natural gas uh, sort of player. Yeah. Really, um, that's it. It's, it. There's a lot of natural gas going on in there, and they. It's, it's a very green washy type of business at the moment and it did very well same with dominion same with uh that other gas pipeline company it's it, there's a lot of um yeah we're going renewable we're going renewable everyone got very excited so i don't blame you to be honest with you uh for s- sort of selling out of a bit of the renewables at the moment um because it's very hard to believe who's who's telling the truth right now isn't it well i've, I've held it for about three you know two two years steve i think we bought it roughly at the same time so i feel like we've held it a pretty decent length of time uh, it has been a long-term market beta uh, as well so it, it is key to note that it has been a, a fantastic company i sold it up about 27 percent as well so um so i made a decent Beautiful. whack on it um yeah it's, it's been a, it's been a good company but i just for now and at the price it's at i'm just willing to sit and you know and watch it if it comes back down to a more reasonable valuation then it's a share i'd definitely like to pick up again where that reasonable valuation is is very very difficult to work out um it's a de facto monopoly with with incredible amounts of pricing power so um 
figuring out exactly what you'd want to pay for it and applying the correct premium is is very difficult. All utilities are trading at a premium, I found out uh, earlier today, and I think it's just edging towards my two hard piles. Steve? So I also own Next... Well, also own... I'm now the only one who owns Next Era, I guess. I also bought Next Era roughly when you did and it feels like we swap roles a little bit here uh you're running out the way of things because their PEs have got a bit big um it also feels to me just correct me if i'm wrong here you've taken that case money that's out of part of your your quote-unquote risk off side and some of that stuff that you've been buying sounded like it was in the risk on pile am i right about that yeah but only in small amounts so i mm -hmm. would say sony uh, Google, Goldman Sachs, Salesforce mm -hmm. are, are less risk. Um, mm -hmm. I've just bought smaller parts of the other things. So nice. Yeah, I'm hanging on to next year. Hmm. I'm keeping it. I, I, uh, I only bought yeah. I, I only bought Google to round it up to uh, so the uh, share split comes through <laughs> as a round number. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I added towards Google. Google's about ten percent of my portfolio at the moment, and that's yeah, more than turn. I've ever had. Yeah, I've more than ever had a very company, and I I, I feel like I want to buy more as well. I want to keep keep on buying it, but it it just it goes up and up and up, and it just makes up so much of my portfolio. I, I don't know what to do there. I, I've never been in a situation where one stock has just really rapidly outpaced the others. And, um, yeah, I don't know what to do about it. You're like a right. kind of Google-focused Warren Buffett then, right? I mean, he's had Apple run away and now takes up kind of almost half the Bartrip portfolio. He doesn't seem sort of too bothered about that. You could be mostly Google, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I noticed the other day as well, I, I, I've got a bit of a video like, sort of lined up for it if I ever get around to editing videos, but uh, my dividend income hasn't gone up at all recently. Um, it's, it's been very, very flat and you expect it to at least slowly, slowly go up. And it, I was racking my brain to figure out why it really hasn't started to to grow and i've noticed that it's mainly because i've been putting money into non-dividend stocks it's been google it's been lenar which is very low microsoft very low and and you don't get that compounding from 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 uh, for the dividends at least uh if you hmm. if you're adding to stocks that don't pay a dividend right now so um, i was gonna say that yeah. paul um I, I hoped you'd realize that google didn't pay a dividend but yeah how's your week been steve <laughs> uh my weekend's been pretty good there's not a huge amount to report i haven't sold anything i'm sitting tight to the isa deadline actually because i feel like with capital on the way i don't particularly feel the need to lighten up on anything just at the moment it feels like i'm not far from being able to deposit some funds um today i discovered uh, i rediscovered i guess a lesson that i've learned before that even when there's a slightly bad day on the u.s markets the pound falling faster will make it look good from my side of things <laughs> Yeah, that's that's it. I, I think I crossed over a little bit of a milestone today. And I, I should have mentioned, because this is uh, April 3rd, isn't it? A couple of days ago, I filled my ISA. Woo! Ooh. Yeah, so... Um, is that all yeah, through so I made... Uh, I think that might might be good. I think that's a big old... Yep big old chunk that we've done really well on so congratulations to, to us and anybody else who's managed to fill their eyes so that's that's great saving i fully believe that saving is the best part or the most important part of investing i think a lot of the other uh, big guys that we've interviewed recently also 
hold the shape uh the same view so uh that's a that's a big thing that and i uh i think i i was really holding a lot back because of uh, a few personal changes that i've made but in the last uh, couple of days i've dumped about three or four grand straight into it and that's been a weird thing trying to go oh should i really be putting 500 pound a day into lunar corporation <laughs> and uh, just like some companies that i've bought and i've gone oh god that's a lot of money going into that company and uh it's just really odd to do it anyway we've got uh, a little bit of news today we've got uh, a couple of stories that we're kind of focused on uh, a couple of earnings that we're talking about uh so we want to we want to delve into those uh a little bit the sucker's going up Okay, so this week, uh, Rishi Sunak came out with his uh, new budget. I actually haven't studied this yet, so I'm kind of relying on what you guys are going to say at the moment um, and really just react to to what you're saying. I think I do remember a few bits from it, but I bet you're a bit more into the nitty-gritty than I am. Uh, so what's uh, what's the new budget all about and um, what what are they? How, how's, it, how's it just going to ruin our lives? Well, there wasn't a lot of nitty-gritty. Um, there was a little few bits here and there. There's going to be a cut to fuel duty, which we saw. I guess we all saw coming because fuels are pretty expensive. Uh, there was a VAT cut on energy-saving uh, devices such as fuel pumps and solar panels. Um, VAT's going to 0% on that. Um, I don't know if that's going to push anybody down those kind of routes, but I guess it is you know, quite a large outlet to reduce your uh, energy bill by. Not very much. Um lifting of the ni threshold the national insurance threshold so it's now in line with income tax um that just makes sense it seems stupid to have two separate thresholds one for ni and one for income tax and then other than that it was a load of crap uh other than there was a promise to cut the basic rate of income tax to uh 19p in the pound from 20p in the pound um a saving for average folk of about 200 quid uh, i guess i just gonna say that's not a policy that i'd be particularly excited about um but then I guess people on the average salary don't always vote Tory. Uh, anything in there that jumps out at you? Well, I saw on the Conservative Facebook they were banging on about the biggest cut in fuel for God knows how long. So it's it's gone up God knows how many percent. I've, I haven't got the figures on me, but really, it really they've made a fuel cut and it's the biggest fuel cut fuel duty cut ever but inflation has pushed up fuel duty ridiculously high anyway so really we're still ahead it's still horrible and that's what i saw from from their from their post on that and also have they raised the uh, minimum tax allowance as well did i read that somewhere just on national insurance that was it that so was on national insurance raised it in line with uh um, this all led to obviously Rishi driving to his local Sainsbury's to fill up a random Sainsbury's uh, employee's Kia Rio, uh, which is very interesting. <laughs> cue the memes of him. Cue the memes of him. Uh, somebody cut him up so he was pouring petrol in the boot, and they put the secret <laughs> service in the background and things like that. But yeah, very interesting. Uh, very interesting and very not interesting in the same way. I think it was um, somewhat shareholder friendly and also only in the sense that they didn't kick us in the balls yeah that was... it, again some of some of the 
calculations don't work, do they? They're saving us two hundred pound on in one direction, but energy prices are going up double. So most energy prices are going to go up four hundred pound. So it doesn't really save us a lot. It's we're still going to have to tighten our belts. Just, I'm certainly looking in the future. Our household is looking at the future and going. Well, maybe we can't save as much right now because we're 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 going to be a little bit tight going into next year and. And that that depresses me a bit because I want to save as much as as much as possible, and it's just going to make living expenses a little bit a little bit worse for us. Yeah, I looked at this NI thing that um, Steve was describing. I was concerned uh, by this a little bit, so I can see that it makes sense to take the lowest earning in society out of income tax. I worry about that at the level of NI because NI is a thing where you need to have enough years of completed payments to claim your state pension if i understand it right here and the people who need state pensions Mm -hmm. the most as far as i can see are the lowest earning people in society if they're not paying uh ni because the ni threshold is higher and so okay they don't have to pay it out now uh i worry they're gonna make that's gonna make another class of people state pension ineligible further down the line and it's exactly the wrong class of people to be making state pension ineligible i haven't looked into that in any great depth but that's my initial instinct and that worries me about this in a way that i think of ni is different to tax so i think that they are you do still qualify for ni years if you're working and i also mm-hmm. think you still qualify for ni years if you're on job seekers allowance i think job seekers allowance pays for your your national insurance years as well uh i see i feel like that's that's the thing but i do know for some people particularly um boomer wives let's call them that boomer wives so uh, <laughs> traditional traditional families where your the husband goes out and has earned the 50k a year but the wife has stayed at home and she's kind of stayed at home for a long long time she will still be behind um uh on her years and i, I can't get the years into my head because i've recently done this by the way because uh, i can actually claim my own mother as uh, a child carer and that gives her four years back of national insurance and that should just cover her for the for the years she hasn't worked and i've only just done that recently uh but they the the boomer wives is uh is a particular group at risk i think of not having any state pension um and the hope is that their husband's pension i know that's very i know that's very stereotypical but it's it's it it is a i think it is a it is a demographic um probably remember they, they can always wouldn't. make um they can always make a voluntary payment to make up any missed years and yeah of course they can. if they're yeah. if they take two or three years out to raise children what have you you can make that difference by making a voluntary payment if you're not gonna try try 20 years try 20 years (laughs) (laughs) it's uh, like uh children came and never uh, and they never went back so there's a lot of years to make up there um but obviously most people are working since the age of 16 these days and you can get a good 20 years in before you before you actually have kids if you're having your kids later um but um i think i think not uh, lowering the threshold of contribution uh might not um in, 
might not take away your state pension. I think you still okay. might gain some years does, towards it. Does it not feel um, like, um, it just feels to me like this is a, the Tory is sort of lightening the load on business. Tories are lightening the load on business. They're trying to help out where they can. But I think eventually this is just a push to a living wage becoming a thing and everybody falling into a taxation bracket. Um, if you if you were to push for a living wage, everybody would go up to a certain amount. Everybody would be paying an eye. Everybody will be paying income tax. Thus, they can reduce the income tax from twenty to nineteen percent. That's what I feel like is coming. Um, so I didn't. Uh, I still didn't realise how much the minimum wage was. It's around nine pound fifty and going it or well, going up to nine pound fifty in the in the new year. I thought it was eleven something, but it turns out that's the living wage, right? The living wage is eleven pounds something at the moment, and uh, still a lot of people are falling right behind the national living wage as it were uh, there's a uh, a quite a depressing thought that is in the back of my mind that is does it really matter if people miss their ni pay, um payments is there going to be a state pension by the time these people retire um that's that's the thing i i i mean we try i try and not be too political here but um i don't think it's going to exist i really don't think it's going to exist i think previous governments and governments that are coming especially after covid um are they've spent it and they're not going to get it back and they're, they're going to figure out other ways of of inflating society in in that way well the way is large pension part has always it. felt like yeah i was gonna say the wet pension has always felt like a way to um eventually end the state pension um i guess we'll we'll see on that front but i would when I factor in any calculations on my retirement, I don't even factor a state pension. It's going to go no, in a nice I, halves, but but I don't expect it. Yeah, I don't. I don't factor it in at all. I think it's about one hundred and twenty pound a week, or is he? No, it's forty pound a week or something, isn't it? Um, and I'm it's, not even sure. It's, stupid, it's stupidly. That low. seems like a, expect... it doesn't seem like enough. Um, I, I think it is stupidly low though, and um, yeah, you got you got to worry. Income tom sixty. Okay, that's that's a week. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good then. Um, in contrast then, uh, today, uh, Biden has released the US, uh, or what he proposes as the US budget. I assume there's some jimmying that's going to happen around that because uh, um, even some people in his own party won't like it. Uh, I've got a picture of uh, Biden looking pretty good and then an owl like Janet Le Yellen sitting on the side. Uh, that must... <laughs> she's, she always just looks like she's she's having a stroke or something. It's just ridiculous. Um, uh, with uh, But uh, it's very interesting the way they've gone about it because uh, largely Rishi and the uh, Tory government have haven't attacked the top tier. They've uh, they've saved the top tier again. They've they've gone a bit for middle class and uh, they've tried to say try to show that they're saving the bottom but they they're not really um attacking corporations as far as i understand anyway uh, they're not attacking corporations or the one percent at all do you, have you or have i got that wrong they're not attacking oil companies in the way that the labor party would like them to i mean they're not doing anything in the way the labor party would write, like them to do right i mean that's the point of the labor party but in particular they're not attacking um oil companies in the way that uh, the Labour Party would like them to attack them in terms of a windfall tax to try and combat higher oil prices. I mean, uh, I'm not quite sure what to make of that thought, to be honest. I sort of feel like if you're going to penalise oil companies when the price of oil goes up, they might well give up. 
Um, it feels like you have to kind of <laughs> give them a chance at least to benefit from higher prices. You weren't particularly subsidizing them when the thing went negative two years ago. Um, I don't have a strong view on the kind of uh, politics of this sort of thing, but that was one where I, uh, issue where I thought I noticed there was some dismay at them not attacking. Well, the US is going completely the opposite opposite direction. It's going to raise corporate tax uh, from 21% to 28%. I think we already knew that was coming. I thought that was already kind of on the bills on that one. Uh, the top individual tax bracket is going up to 40%, 39 percent uh, which uh, still isn't as bad as ours i don't think on on our over over forty five thousand here in the uk uh but they're going to pose a, a minimum uh 20 percent tax on the top 0.01 percent so just jeff bezos and i was gonna say is that one uh, person Elon musk yeah. <laughs> 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 that might it really might be but it does say uh the 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 not the top 0.01 percent of earners and households worth more than 100 million okay so they're calling it the billion so we discussed this uh, a little bit off air actually because they're calling it the billionaire minimum tax um but it's on people worth over 100 million so it's technically it's not the billionaire tax but actually i'm just reading it now in a little bit more detail and it's the minimum tax on top 0.01 percent of people who earn more than 100 million so that would be billionaires only because uh and it'd be a few more than just jeff bezos that'd be the the top 10 basically i think um uh they would all get a 20 percent minimum tax if they weren't already fudging their numbers with tax loopholes anyway but I'm glad you mentioned oil because they are um, they are repealing all several to all of the tax breaks for oil and gas producers and processors, and that's a very interesting one um, because here in the UK we haven't touched it, even though uh, there's a lot of you know you know there's a lot of debate on that at, at the moment. But in the in the US where it is a lot more left leaning, they're going for the oil companies. Um, the oil companies are earning enough money out of the US uh, taxpayer already, so they, they're getting rid of as much of that as they can. Um, obviously, these haven't gone through yet, and they haven't even gone to vote on the left side. Um, I think a lot of people are going to get uh, lobbied to fuck on that one, and I think a few moderates are going to... Uh, <laughs> are going to have a problem with that. Uh, but yeah, it's very interesting to see that they're going for the corporations and they're going for the billionaires. And now that obviously brings in old debates of trickle-down economics. If you tax corporations in America, they're going to leave America. Uh, if you tax the 0.01%, they're going to start holding their money elsewhere or they're not going to invest in the US and the UK anymore. Uh, do we still believe this or is, the, or is this just been disproven or uh, how, do, how does this affect some of our companies, you know, some of the fangs and things? Are they going to start, I mean, do they, do they pay anything into the US at all right now? The general thesis that the rich will leave strikes me as a kind of plausible principle when I think about it in the abstract, but I'm not sure they're going to leave because you kind of uh, raised their tax level from whatever you said, 21% to 29% or something like that. I'm not sure that many people are drawing a line in the sand and saying, no, above 20, 26% or so, that's my limit. Uh, mm. After that, I'm leaving for Bermuda uh, or somewhere like that. 
I feel like they weren't <laughs> going to be if they had a problem with paying uh, reasonably high tax levels, um, they would have had that problem at twenty one percent as well. Uh, it's worth saying so, that the corporate tax has been higher as well than this. It's it's not this isn't a ridiculously high corporate tax. Well, this right is now. this is just resetting tax back to old levels, isn't it? Uh, twenty yep. to twenty eight is the old, is the old level. Um, I did pull out two things from the bill poll that affects shareholders. Um, so it's on the very wealthy tax, the billionaires tax. It's twenty percent of their income minimum, um, including gains on investments that have not been sold. Um, so that is an interesting part of the bill. Um, if you fancy an interesting video on that, uh, Demodoran has done a video on that where he tells you that's a load of bollocks. Uh, but there was also a really interesting one was um, yeah, targeting US corporate buybacks. So it requires companies to hold on to company shares that they buy back uh, for, I think it's three years after they buy back. So once a company starts doing buybacks, they can't actually issue any new shares. They have to issue from the pool that they've bought from. Um, so that was an ah. interesting, uh, and an interesting thing. So I think this is meant to try and protect shareholders somehow, but I, I feel like it's very misguided. It almost feels like it's made by somebody who doesn't really understand the stock market. Um, <laughs> because yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. If you're saying a company buys back $600 million worth of shares, leaves itself with a hundred million in cash, and then we hit a recession, it's not allowed to issue some new shares to survive. Uh, how does that help the shareholder if the that... company then goes bust? going to be um, a lot of broken yeah, airlines, aren't Yeah, exactly. Or has to take on a load of yeah. high coupon debt. It's an absolutely, it's a piece of bollocks, really. Um, but we'll see. I, yeah, and I can't it, see any it, of these things getting through. What we'll end up with is some new roads in America and a, some, probably some solar panels. And that, 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 that and, 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 they'll, <laughs> and then they'll spend the other 99% of it on tanks. Speaking of, okay, speaking of uh, share buybacks and... Um, share uh, share dilution let's talk about tesla's stock dividend today because i read this i read some of the headline news i know you don't care and i don't really particularly care either but um i i read the headline news today that's that tesla was doing another stock split and i was like oh here we go again we've just done an episode on stock splits and google's doing it amazon's doing it um and uh they're just doing it for 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 um for jokes again and um it's uh, and then i read into a little bit more detail and it's actually a stock dividend so i i, I read dividend and i go ooh, tesla's actually paying out now and 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 obviously that's not what not not what's happening so uh do you know what's happening or do you want me to just go through a little bit of it can you go through it, Paul? I think I've got myself confused here because I also read the word dividend and thought that feels very un-Tesla-like. I mean, my initial thought was they'll do anything to make people buy their shares in that case. <laughs> so um, I initially thought it was that they're going to split the stock so your stock would go down to a smaller level and then dividend out a bunch of shares to make up for it. But I could be that's wrong. That's what about they're going to do. That's what they're going to do. It's a hundred percent. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a complete it's a it's a dilution. They, they've noticed that the price has gone back up to historic levels again, and they, they are diluting at the top. They are, it, it feels like a very sneaky way to push out another dilution and kind of, uh, and, and kind of hide it in this stock split 
rhythm and i wonder if this is a new trend uh, i i'm i'm very much speculating here but i wonder if this is a new trend trend where we're just going to keep saying stop split stop stop split stop split a million youtubers are going to make videos on how stop splits stop splits don't matter and then they slide in the stock dividend underneath and and we realize that actually stock splits now have changed and these stock dividends are actually diluting the companies a little bit uh, obviously that's not what's happening with amazon and um google right now but yeah this is this is going to dilute um the shareholder of tesla because they're mm -hmm. going to they're going to divvy it out but um uh what are they going to buy Interestingly, Paul, <laughs> that's, that's the next thing i feel it I feel a bit more warmly towards it in that case. Um, if it's the yeah. case that they're actually having a, an equity raise here, that means that I can now see, uh, because the stock's reasonably high, it's higher now, by the way, it was up about 6% on the news of this um, split dividend dilution, whatever it is thing that I haven't looked very closely into. So I, I can see the sense, uh, if we think about it as two moves, a kind of issuance and a kind of stock split. Uh, and I guess you're suggesting one move is hiding the other move here, basically. The stock split is kind of hiding the chuck some more shares out along with it. I can see the sense in an issuance, uh, for what it's worth. The stock split thing, I my initial reaction to seeing this was, again, didn't you just do one of those things? How many times can you do this stock split thing to push your share price higher? Uh, and the answer is clearly more times and so on. Um, but I... I generally don't like stock splits full stop. Um, I didn't like them when Amazon did it, uh, which I do own. I wasn't a fan of Google doing it, which I don't own. I'm not a fan of Tesla doing it, which I also don't own. Um, I tend to prefer them to just leave these things alone. But if it's masking something else and they're having an equity raise on the side of it, which is uh, an interesting kind of idea, you I should... sell your shares when they're at their high, right? I, that makes more sense to me. Yeah, I, sh I should be very clear that it's not... Uh, a dilution in the classic ways as they're, they're just issuing shares uh, and putting them to market oh. they're issuing they're issuing shares but giving them back to the current shareholders so you increase your share count but dilute the price so it is a di it is a dilution um uh. in one sense but it, it probably isn't going to lead to a significant equity raise um so what that means i like it for less the future, now yeah so what that means for the future is um uh, some of the sales of these shares are now going to, uh, it basically divvies out, it, it divvies out to more people in a long-term way. If that, if I'm describing that correctly, um, it, it, uh, it, it, it will basically lead to, so if you if you sell your shares to a new shareholder, that's where the dilution starts to happen. Uh, the stock split wouldn't necessarily do that because it doesn't change. Neither changes the valuation of the company as so, it were. So I, I've only got one point in that for somebody who talks about how much he hates short sellers as much as Elon Musk does, he sure likes to make conditions uh, accommodating for them. Um, <laughs> so that's all that he's doing. He's just basically trying to find a way to hold this current price because it makes him considerably richer. Uh, there's no issue with Tesla liquidity. It's gone up 7% today. It doesn't need any help to move uh, in a volatile way in either direction. Um, uh, it's a load of bollocks. And let's move on to the next topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it it's it. <laughs> all right yeah i just thought it'd be interesting to to discuss the i enjoyed the, it the, the, the new the nuances of the two and why 
yeah why they're doing it i think i think it's to make the current shareholders feel like they've got more shares and i think this could lead to some selling or exchanging and therefore a bit of equity like to change in to change in there but the, yeah the equity itself is isn't going the raise itself isn't going to uh to be affected too much um all right then, next up uh i've got adobe earnings and the intel nvidia story so um you guys can choose what you want to talk about first though can we do adobe because that's a cost that's a company we actually like um so they reported earnings, I think it was last week, it might have even been the week before, we're a little bit behind the times on this one, um, but it looked okay to me, uh, especially on a sort of past uh, past and present sort of basis. So um, revenue for the quarter was $4.26 billion, which is up 9%, uh, which was ahead of an expectation that they set of 4.23, and Wall Street said 4.24, so a pretty healthy beat. Um, profits on an adjusted non-GAAP basis. Uh, I didn't look into why they've adjusted it, but um, there were $3.37 a share, which was slightly better than the guidance at $3.35 a share, and down analyst estimate of $3.34 a share. GAAP profits was $2.66 a share, which was about $0.03 cents above what they guided. Uh, they repurchased 3.8 million shares in the quarter, uh, which is, is quite a sizable amount. Um, so just a couple of things. Digital media segment was up 9% to 3.11 billion. Digital experience segment was up uh, 13% to 1.06. So the problem I saw, and the reason it dropped, I think was because of the guidance was a bit bobbins. Um, they saw revenue of 4.34 billion with 440 uh, in net new ARR from digital media. The company saw growth of about 13 to 14% in, in digital media revenue. And that's, remember, Adobe operates all the way around, all around the world. So they report in a constant currency basis. Um, they actually grew a, quite a lot, uh, quite a lot bigger, but because the dollar has been slipping so much, um, some of the growth was reduced from sort of 20% to 9%. So, um, because they're growing a lot more in overseas territories, but by the by. Uh, they also said that they have halted uh, new sales of all Adobe products in uh, Russia and Belarus. So God knows um, how they're photoshopping all these Americans and uh, saying nasty things about Russia now. Um, but um, digital media <laughs> annual recurring revenue, they reckon this is going to be reduced by about $75 million. So it's a very, very small amount of business. Um, so I thought it looked pretty good for me from Adobe. I, I, don't, I still don't quite think it's a buy i still think it's a little bit top heavy but either of you two i mean you both like adobe is it is it, is it near for you i can't get past the valuation it's just really tough it's it i for what it is right so what adobe is is a software company that as, as far as i can tell is just editing i know it's a lot more than that but to me it's just an editing company that delivers uh it, de it depends how important you think those suites are for humanity. So if we look at Microsoft, so that's what I try and do. I compare it to Microsoft and the Office suite and go, okay, Microsoft made a ton of their money on that Office suite. And then they had to pivot in, they're now having to pivot into cloud-based. So that's their next reach of growth. Now, can Adobe that's that's the next stage that i see for adobe so adobe are now dominating the photoshops and rush and premiere and 
uh, uh, the Acrobat Suite. So all of those are now dominating. They go. I don't know how much more more growth they've got. You can look at the TAM and, and figure it out. But I don't. I, you know, I don't know how much more. But that's how I see them going. And the next step after that is not one I don't think they can compete with Microsoft, Google, and Amazon on. But can Google and Amazon and Microsoft compete with them and create a Photoshop style um, suite? So that's just the story that I've got in my head about them, which is an unanswered question uh, for me. As far as growth goes, it's it's incredible, right? It's, you know, they are, like you say, moving into all these new territories. Uh, everyone wants a bit of propaganda, so we can, you know, there's there's going to be loads of different um, uh, countries that they that just haven't been able to afford it just yet that are uh, that are going to need it because everywhere's going into capitalism and is, and is going to need marketing and and editing. I just, where does it stop? And how long does it take for that to slow down? I'm I'm not completely sure yet. And does that justify the current price of free cash flow or price to uh, earnings that it that it delivers now? And how long will that last? And that's my question. If it was at a PE of 14 right now, it'd be I'd be all over it. <laughs> so would I. Um, and Paul's fear here <laughs> speaks to my fear a little bit. So. Uh, Paul knows a lot more about editing stuff. He knows a lot more about kind of creative software than I do. And um, I, I can see lots of very obvious reasons to like Adobe, right? It's a software company, which means software margins. Um, it's mostly subscription-based now, I think, which means high recurring revenue. Uh, it has a balance sheet that is a, basically a fortress. It has quite a high price tag. I can kind of see all of these obvious things myself. I think understanding this thing involves understanding its moat uh, quite well. And as I understand it at the moment, it's something of an industry standard. But me telling you what an industry standard is in this kind of thing and how far that protects it is a little bit tricky. Um, I remember thinking I wanted to revalue this for what it's worth because, uh, you know, I moved down and I haven't revalued it at these levels. And I'm not quite sure whether I think it might be getting close to me. Stevie felt it was a bit top heavy. I was interested in taking another look uh, because there comes a point where I think, yeah, I'm priced for the ignorance that I'm bringing to this, right? As Paul says, you get a low enough price on this. I don't really care about the moat, to be honest, anymore. The fact that I don't understand it. Um, I don't know whether it's there yet. Uh, that's not a sly way of saying it isn't. It's a way of saying I need to, I am interested in looking at this one again. For what it's worth, I'm looking at this and Salesforce together and trying to work out which one I think is more attractive. Chris Hill had pretty strong views on that. I was just going to say, so Adobe is your uh, is your flag bearer for valuing uh, software companies and seeing what they can become. So yeah, pretty much. Um, gross margins of nearly ninety percent. So mm -hmm. sixteen net ones about thirty. Uh, yeah, thirty percent net yeah. margins, sixteen billion, um, sixteen billion in revenue, and just looking at the free cash flow for the year, they generated I think it was about seven, just under seven billion. So they're really, really good free cash flow margins. Um, so they're mm. already a really big company. The issue is that mm. their growth is definitely slowing now. They're definitely feeling the weight of being that big company. And every time they add something to the company, that it's not generating the kind of revenue that the, the, the major players, the Premier Pros, the uh, Photoshop's and their um, e-commerce analysis software generate for them. So if they can bring products along, they should quite comfortably grow it between 12 and 14 percent i would say maybe even more but i just 
for me, it's just a little bit outside of the wheelhouse. I don't think it's a million miles away, um, but for me, it's just it's just a little bit top, a little bit top heavy. Especially no, I, when you look at what's coming, especially the Photoshop, but things like Canva and things like that that are coming along to try and eat exactly. a little bit of its lunch. There is some interesting products on the on the horizon. Yeah, exactly. So um, anecdotally, from that, uh, as a long term Premiere Pro user i'm now using davinci resolve because it's better and it's free um it's absolutely free and i know a lot of people out there in uh the film industry right now they use davinci resolve and that is becoming the uh, industry standard away from premiere pro photoshop is still number one without a doubt lightroom of course as well mm. is very very hard to beat on um just from a labeling point of view um but yeah i like what you're saying because even now my wix uh, so i have wix for my photography website and i was going to start making all my social media posts from uh the, traditionally how i've done it photoshop get into photoshop and just like make different graphics wix does it wix does it for you it's just a very simple canva style um uh system and then there's there's, there's uh, different apps like planoly and i mentioned you mentioned canva i think canva's already being disrupted in its in itself and it's considered to be the disruptor um yeah by the way i've i've uh, taken a small position out in wix now and it's doing very well so far but uh yeah wix um and squarespace have their own social media post development uh thing in there and what what we're trying to do here is we're trying to talk to the masses and what do the masses want um i imagine adobe i, I, I will look through my suite actually to see if adobe uh has a small easy style social media post creation system i know they've got adobe rush which is their it's it's basically how you can make tiktoks within adobe and you get that free if you sign up to the creative cloud suite i do wonder about disruption here and again i use google and microsoft as a bit of an example does anyone use office 365 anymore or do they use google workspaces now with google sheets and google docs and google press i personally do all the time um I, I, microsoft 365 uh, is taking a bit of a a second uh second place for me right now so i i wonder what's happening in the software space now i wonder how hard it is to make a very good program that's stable and that is going to make that space a lot more competitive and it's going to bring down margins so i'm i'm very interested in what's going to happen here office 365 by the way i wouldn't pay for but i get it off my employers they give me a download on it um so yeah. so i mean that presumably means that someone is paying quite a lot for it at the kind of employer yeah. level right uh but yeah. not me by choice no i would also use the google stuff the amazon have one i don't know if amazon have a, a workspace yet no i use um i use 365 at work but only to get access to teams um, and again the employer pays for it when the minute i get home i I'm straight on Google Docs. I don't see a reason to do. It's literally yeah. the same product. <laughs> oh, BS. Yeah, yeah. As if the minute you get home, you're straight on Google Docs, and that's what you're going on with <laughs> your computer. I've got to update on my spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's basically, like you say, it's basically the same pro product. They've they've carbon copied it. 
Um, expect Amazon to do it again soon as well and offer that in their space. It's it's going to happen. And mm. so, I, I mean, Microsoft-wise, um, without uh, saying, yeah, because we'll have a lot of people in the comments going, oh, Microsoft are still doing this and this and this. Microsoft has B2B down. So it, uh, Microsoft uh, is still the trusted partner for business and uh, all of those things. But like I said, I don't think students are buying 365 anymore. Uh, it's more businesses. They're much more into uh, using Google Docs. And I know we're coming away from uh, Adobe here and I'm, I'm just providing more color here. But uh, essentially, the way into the next generation is to offer your product free to the new generation. So the way to influence the businesses of the future is to get it in the heads of the students now if you if you understand what i'm saying so google off uh, adobe did it as well so adobe offered their products for very cheap or free to students yeah. and now as it, as they've grown into the industry the uh, adobe's become the flagship thing and and it all happened with apple max as well it, it was exactly the same principle and they led together all because i know you would have had it when you were in your uni days everyone was going oh yeah you can only ever use photoshop on an apple mac because it only ever works on that and those guys worked together to build this uh, software creation system I think Google has that in mind with Google Workspaces and Google Docs and Google Sheets. Yeah. And to influence the next the next phase of business, you have to get into the earlier generation. And I think that's what they're kind of doing right now. Uh, I don't I don't have any evidence to back that up though. <laughs> right. Okay. Next up, we'll uh, finish on Intel and Nvidia. Um, they're working together, aren't they? Again, I don't know a lot about this one, but they're, they're, there's a very sharp move and surprising move coming in. Yeah, not exactly working together. This is kind of something that surprised me a little bit. So uh, there was an announcement at the end of last week, which is now quite a while ago when this podcast is going out, that NVIDIA uh, CEO Jensen Huang had said um, that NVIDIA would be prepared to use Intel's fabs if they uh, get into the chip manufacturing business. Shares of both companies went higher, NVIDIA by about 10%, Intel by about 7%, kind of on the news they've moved around since then, obviously. Um, I guess this is kind of good news for both companies in a certain way, I suppose. I mean, Intel is attempting to get itself into the manufacturing business, and there was a genuine question around that of, well, would AMD or NVIDIA or whoever be prepared to use kind of Intel manufacturing? They would and that would involve sharing quite a bit by way of sort of design uh, knowledge and that sort of thing. And the NVIDIA CEO said, yeah, we share all that stuff anyway. Uh, basically, we realize we have to be collaborative. Mm. Uh, for NVIDIA, I guess the upside is they can spread out their manufacturing base. They're not entirely reliant on Taiwan Semi and Samsung anymore. Um, so it's good for them to have, I guess, a U.S. manufacturing footprint, um, in particular with sort of, I think, Biden's enthusiasm for this kind of thing. Uh, I guess worth noting, this was only a kind of comment or announcement or a yes, we would in principle be prepared to this kind of thing. There's no mm. kind of tangible agreement or anything of that sort. There's still plenty of space for this to go wrong uh, from what I can see of it. But uh, nice to know that kind of thing is there, I suppose, in principle. If you're Intel, this is at least some sort of uh, vindication for the idea that your fabs idea or sorry, your manufacturing base might um have some legs and not just be a, an enormous great capex sink that doesn't pay off <laughs> uh yeah i mean this is how intel's got a pivot now 
Intel has very much been a closed shop for decades now, and this is Intel's pivot. It's got to now now offer out its services to elsewhere. The question is, and it's still something we don't know the answer to very much, is is how good Intel's insides are compared to TSMC's insides because there's there's a lot of speculation even again the p word propaganda around who's better and 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 who's worse and um yeah it's very it, it, this is going all going to come to light over the next five or ten years uh and it's place your bets now really a lot of people seem to have placed their bets on tsmc and intel's the only place left to go uh with it uh i know what steve d's answer to this is um but uh, uh, give it, give us your thoughts, mate. So I was just going to quickly say that the Intel could only really go two ways. And the reason where we have a chip shortage is almost entirely Intel's fault because they're too busy giving out dividends and buying back stocks and not improving their, their fab facilities. And now they've been caught with the pants down. They've got a five-year plan to build a shitload of factories all over America to try and save themselves. Unfortunately, TSMC have also realised there's a chip shortage and they're spending the same amount Intel are in a year. So Intel will get all the headlines. TSMC will spend the most money. Um, but it's an interesting thing because Intel has evidently now wants to pivot to being a manufacturer. It wants to manufacture everyone's chips. If America wants... Uh, to manufacture all of its chips in America, then Intel will be the one that sweeps all of them up. So what do we do? Well, we buy ASML because there's only one company <laughs> that's going to produce the machines uh, that Intel can use to produce these high-end chips. All the other shit chips, they get made by everybody else. Intel and TSMC make the chips that everybody actually wants. That's it. Exactly. I I didn't need a crystal ball to get that answer out. It, uh, Steve D is a picks and shovels guy in the semi, semiconductor space and ASML, and uh, I know I'm the same. I'm the same. I haven't been able to. I love I I love the idea of buying Intel and and seeing all the the different um, opinions on it and and how well valued it is with the cash flow and the dividends and the buybacks and blah blah blah. Um, I love the idea of it, but again, I'm the same. I want to buy into uh, inspection. I want to buy into uh, creation and I want to buy into measuring. And uh, we all know we've got different companies that are based around this. And, and I think, um, I think, yeah, I, th I, I can't agree with you more. Right. All right. I think uh, that is, there's no more there to, to say it. on the matter. Um, <laughs> well, there is actually a lot more to say on the matter because they, they touched on data sensors, which I thought you were going to bring up, but I haven't done enough information on that. So uh, I haven't <laughs> done enough reading into that. That sounds so like a cut. I thought you... I thought, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, thank you very much, guys, for listening this week. 